0: Hello and welcome to this episode of the Explicit Restoration Podcast. My name is Piper Post and I'm here with my husband, David. Hello. And we are a husband and wife team who know a thing or two because we've seen a thing or two. (laughs) We have walked the difficult road of porn addiction and betrayal trauma. We made it to the other side. It wasn't us. It wasn't anything about us. It was all about Jesus and our reliance on Him. Today on the show, we're going to be talking about an episode that it was really important for me to talk about because it's going to show a little bit more about the wife's journey in recovery. We've titled the episode Addiction versus Trauma because it follows recovery versus sobriety. And we went over the difference between what those two terms mean and how they play out specifically for a porn addict or a porn user. And so if you haven't listened to that episode, this one kind of builds on that one. I think they could stand alone, but it might be worth it to go back and to listen to that one first. So I wanted to talk about this because so many times when I have discussions with wives in our support group for wives, or when I did one-on-one coaching with wives, it would be difficult for wives to connect with the word recovery because for themselves, they understood what recovery for their husband, the addict meant, and that he needed to go through a journey of overcoming this addiction or this affliction. But it was harder for them to see why they needed to go through recovery. And it felt like somehow I was saying they were at fault or they were doing something wrong and that couldn't be further from the truth. So that's why we want to talk about recovery from an addiction versus recovery from trauma. So in our case, because this was our story, the addict or the user was my husband and the partner who experienced betrayal trauma was me, the wife. So when we talk about it, it could be either. Either husband or wife could be the addict, and either one could be the betrayed spouse, or there could be some of both on both sides. So just know that when we're talking, we tend to talk about husband and wife in that way.
1: I have a question for you before you move further. Do you think that some wives don't realize that they have trauma?
0: I would say they know that something is wrong. They might not specifically be familiar with trauma or what it is, or some people haven't heard of betrayal trauma, which is what Behavioral therapists use and trauma therapists use to talk about this type of trauma. I think that they don't identify as being traumatized because a lot of times your hurt only allows you to see with tunnel vision. And so all they can see is that their husband has cheated on them. And all they can see is the adultery, which is true. That is a truthful thing they are seeing, but being able to widen the scope to everything going on in his life and how a myriad of things wrapped up in spiritual warfare against him in the area of pornography has affected her in many areas. And oftentimes the betrayal trauma is more than from just the actual act of watching porn.
1: I think that some wives see that they're hurt, but they don't understand that it's actually trauma Mm -hmm. and trauma in the same way as People that are mentally abused, physically abused, there's trauma that happens and their body and their mind react in a certain way. Sometimes we don't realize that trauma is there.
0: Yeah, they say that trauma actually lives inside your body and inside your brain and continues to affect you throughout your life. If you don't recover from that trauma, that simply means that there is a process of healing that you can go through that leads to that trauma being able to be managed and being able to be released from the body and from the brain over time. It reminds me of the classic example I think is when people talk about trauma is having a car accident and how the littlest thing can take them back to that moment and they suddenly feel all the things they felt when they realized they had gotten hit or were about to get hit and all of the things that went after that, police and ambulance and broken glass and screeching tires. And I've heard one person say that clicking and clicking of seat belts was a trigger for them and it brought them back to that moment of feeling traumatized and That's because the trauma was still living inside the body. A really great book on this is called The Body Keeps the Score by, I'm not going to try to butcher the last name. We had to read this book back when we were first becoming foster parents as a part of our foster training because foster kids have experienced various forms of trauma, even just being removed from their parents is traumatic and so the book talks about the ways that i'm describing even if the brain doesn't consciously remember if something happened to a baby when they were small or in utero their conscious mind they may not remember but the brain remembers and the body remembers and so they still are dealing with that trauma even if it's not the forefront of their mind
1: i think sometimes we don't realize There's so many things now that has become an addiction and that we need to recover from it. And one of those is internet. Social media has become that. Mm -hmm. There's new terms that are coming out with psychologists because our mind wants desperately at times for our phones to send a notification of some kind. We want to see something. We want to interact with somebody through our phone, but not face-to-face. And these phantom phone vibrations have
0: you I was just going to ask you that have you ever experienced that where it feels like your phone is vibrating in your pocket or for me in my purse and then you go to look at it and nothing's
1: there it's this new term that's come out this phantom phantom phone phone, this phantom (laughs) ringing type of a thing because we want to be so connected that we want a notification to come up. We want someone to comment on a social media post. We want someone to send us a message, something. And so it becomes an addiction because we continue to want to use that phone and look at it and we look at it and we look at it and we look at it until we don't even realize that we're doing it. Tonight we got to go out, just the two of us, and we actually sat at dinner and we talked And our phones really weren't ever picked up. But then this whole family came and sat down next to us. And I looked over and they just popped out this iPad for their son to keep him, quote unquote, entertained. It's one of those addictions. It's we have to have a screen in front of us.
0: Yeah, there's no judgment there to that family, though, because we've totally been there. We have a child with special needs and we have two adults with special needs in our family. And so... We have noticed in ourselves an over-reliance on screens, but definitely we want to all go out to eat sometimes so we don't have to cook and we don't have to clean up. And so there's no judgment, but it is something that I desire for us to be able to stay on top of and not live in the dependent state.
1: But I think those are things that lead into that addiction when it starts so early. Mm -hmm. And it's such a long-term thing because once it starts that's all they want more and more screen and that's what we want as adults a lot of times we sit at home we don't talk we look at our phones we look at social media we're on the internet we're doing all kinds of stuff and it's just part of addictions
0: okay so let's jump into our topic and i chose james 5:13 through 16 because i think it encompasses a look at both a person recovering from trauma and a person recovering from a sin addiction like porn. So it says, Are any of you suffering hardships? You should pray. Are any of you happy? You should sing praises. Are any of you sick? You should call for the elders of the church to come and pray over you, anointing you with oil in the name of the Lord. Such a prayer offered in faith will heal the sick, and the Lord will make you well. And if you have committed any sins, you will be forgiven. Then, the part of this passage you probably know confess your sins to each other and pray for each other that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. So, the part in there that I think reminds me of a person dealing with trauma is where it says, Are any of you sick? Or are any of you suffering hardships? And then hardships would definitely also include those being attacked with the spiritual warfare of pornography addiction. But we know that coupled with that is their choice to sin in those moments and not rely on God. And so it says, and if you have committed any sins, you will be forgiven. And then to go on and confess sin. So let's make it clear that The person who is the victim or the betrayed spouse has not committed a sin in that scenario. There's nothing that the wife can do that has caused the husband to choose pornography, to choose sexual immorality. Each person's sin is their own. Now, are there other sins that the wife might have to confess? Probably, because we're all sinners. But let's make it clear that from the very beginning that we are not saying that there are sins involved in causing the husband to be tempted into porn or withholding sex or anything like that, that is a justifiable reason for that husband to lean upon. That's my little soapbox for the day. As a reminder, I said this earlier, recovery is simply a journey of healing and it's not time heals all wounds because that's not really true. Time does not heal all wounds, but definitely in recovery, it's a journey of healing that you take on purpose with intention and that Usually there's methods, there's steps. You've probably heard of the 12 steps of recovery. There's a few other formulations of recovery formulas. So we're gonna do a comparison for you today. And we're working off of a diagram that we've made. So if you're a visual person and it would help you to see some of this stuff laid out, We can share it in our support groups, and we'll make it a part of the show notes so that you can see this image. But this is a recovery comparison, and it's a Venn diagram. So that means there's one bubble is about addiction, one bubble is about trauma, and then there's an overlap area where they have similarities. Let's start with some common examples of types of addiction and types of trauma.
1: Some of the addictions that we have, most people know about some of them are alcohol, tobacco, illegal or prescription drugs. But we go to food, sugar, of course, porn, since that's what we deal with. But you have Internet, social media, shopping, gambling. The list can go on and on Mm -hmm. of things that we are addicted to. It may not be the clinical definition of addiction, but it is an addiction because it's something that we keep going back to over and over and over and over.
0: Basically, anything that can be done to the extent that it's leading to harm for you. And typically, there's something beneath that thing that's driving you to that thing. So the whole iceberg analogy that we talked about in the last episode. Okay, so some common examples of trauma that you've probably heard of are the things that can happen in someone's life that results in that trauma living inside them. So abuse, neglect, exploitation, and there's various forms of exploitation, betrayal, like we were talking about betrayal trauma, assault, emergency or a disaster, medical trauma, the trauma of racism, the trauma of experience violence, and even the trauma of grief and loss, all of those are experiences that can leave a person being traumatized. You're probably already noticing some differences there, but the interesting thing that ties all of these experiences together is that every area of life can be affected. Every area of life can be affected by alcohol addiction. Every area of a person's life who is abused can be affected by their experience in that abuse or by their way their abuser makes them feel. So it's interesting to see how for a traumatized person, it can seep into all areas of life, just like how you become powerless to an addiction, you become powerless to your own trauma.
1: Sometimes we don't realize we have trauma and that effect really can do a lot of damage because we don't realize it's there. And... In a lot of ways, a lot of us have had some kind of trauma in our life. We don't deal with it all the same. We don't see it all the same. But it really is something that it can affect people. And it can affect us so bad that it debilitates us.
0: Oh, yeah. And absolutely, trauma can actually lead to addiction. And the thing underneath the thing is trauma and whatever experience that traumatized you can lead a person to become addicted, to porn, to alcohol, to drugs, to any of the things that we mentioned and a bunch of things that we didn't mention. In the same aspect, addiction can lead to you being further traumatized in your life. And it's like this vicious cycle that an addicted person experiences that they are also traumatized by their own addiction.
1: You want a t-shirt that represents
0: your faith but you want one that's actually funny and compelling. It's not tough to find. You just need to go online to happyholydays.shop. It's where you'll get unique, whimsical kid and adult sized shirts designed with your faith in Christ in mind. Happy Holy Days believes Christian shirts should be stylish and original and perfect for all kinds of occasions, which is why Happy Holy Days updates the shirts for every season. That way, you always have a topical selection of cool shirts ready to wear. And do you want more than t-shirts? Well, at Happy Holy Days, you can also get sweatshirts and hoodies if that's your style. Share what you believe and believe in what you wear. Buy online now at happyholydays.shop. That's happyholydays.shop.
1: So when we talk about recovery from addiction, I think one of the things that we have to Realize and what we have to start working on to get to that place is realizing how long addiction has affected us Mm -hmm. and how long it's been a part of what we are and and who we are. There are times that you don't realize how many years you've been into this until you stop and you sit back and you look back on it.
0: You're not becoming addicted in just a couple months or just a couple of times. This is a long term habitual experience. And many, many things has gone into making this a full-fledged addiction in your life and not just a bad habit.
1: You can look at it and say a lot of people take prescription drugs, but it's not an addiction until it affects us in a way that now it's become so much a part of us that it affects all of our life. And you can't seem to stop taking it. You can't seem to stop wanting that feeling.
0: Trauma, on the other hand can be a single event, a one-time occurrence that leads you to being traumatized. It can be multiple events over time like a repeated thing that continues to happen. the first discovery day and then the second discovery day oftentimes wives will describe is more, traumatizing to them than even the first. And then there is ongoing events, like living with somebody who is physically or emotionally abusing you every day, that their intention is to abuse you. That would be like an ongoing. There's also other types of trauma that we're not going into here. So just know that we're not giving it its due course on all the things that we could be talking about.
1: Realize this is not giving you steps of recovery. This is just talking about What are the things that affect us, that leads us into needing this recovery that we need to go through?
0: That's a really good point. We will go into that in a later episode.
1: The next thing that addiction is, is it commonly involves external behaviors. It's the thing on the top side of the iceberg that we actually see. It's what people can see from somebody is doing, but they don't realize what is causing it. What's the underlying thing? What they see is the external behavior of something that's going on inside of them.
0: It's like that verse from Matthew 12 that says, out of the overflow of your heart, your mouth speaks. So what goes on in your external behaviors reveals the addicted state of your heart. And trauma isn't necessarily like that. It commonly happens inside a person's mind. Now it can lead to some external behaviors, but more often than not, it is internal thoughts, feelings, negative self-talk, negative self-loathing and a lot of people talk about just questioning everything, brain fog, not being able to see outside of their trauma. It's like a lens that they view the whole world through and that occurs on the inside.
1: Another part of addiction recovery we need to see is that addiction can be ignited by trauma. When we go through trauma, sometimes we don't know how to handle it we self-medicate ourselves and it ends up turning into an addiction because we're trying to cover up the trauma. We don't want to deal with the trauma. or We don't know how to deal with the trauma. And so we try to push it down and we become addicted to something else. So that we don't think about the trauma anymore.
0: What originally led you to be exposed or to become addicted or become a regular user of whatever that vice is, the one that we talk about is porn, it can change over time too. When you first looked and were fascinated by naked magazines at middle school... Probably was not the same thing that drove you to using porn as an adult. There were other things that you were working hard, other traumas, other difficult experiences, poor habits that you had created that porn use had to be in place or you didn't feel right. The interesting part in the overlap there that are common in the recovery journey for both an addict and a traumatized person is that. Both need an extreme increase in self-care and in self-esteem. And before I start to lose you, if you're getting distracted, come back to us for a second because we hear these terms, self-care, self-esteem, believing in yourself a lot. But we actually believe that God created you in his image. And so part of your self-care is simply aligning yourself back with God and submitting your care over to him is the best kind of self-care that you can possibly do. And that will lead to the best self-esteem that you've ever had because you are fully stepping into who God has created you to be. So both addicts and people who are suffering from trauma need to work on increasing their habits of self-care and their outlook and self-talk and self-esteem
1: for a lot of us, we need to find that time that we can take care of ourselves. We live in such a time when we go, 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 go. I've heard of parents that say they're at a different event every single night Mm -hmm. and their kids are doing so many extracurricular things that when they get home, all they do is basically do homework and go to bed. And the parents come home make lunch for the next day and go to bed. And there's not any time for themselves to do something that makes themselves feel better.
0: Absolutely. What do you think your best self-care routines or things that you step into when you're needing that realigning with God?
1: I think one of the things that really helps, especially right now, is I'm in a small group with guys Mm -hmm. here at, at our church. We call it a huddle. And it's just me and three other guys. And we talk about the scripture. We catch up with each other. And I really think that is a really good time for me to really keep focusing towards God. One of the guys in there is actually an accountability partner. And so it's been really good to talk to him after. He and I are the only two that don't have to run off to a job real quick. And so a lot of times when the other two guys leave, we get a chance just to talk. And when I leave there, I feel a lot better. I feel like I can get through the day. I don't know if you've realized it, but I started realizing it that a lot of times the days that I have huddle are my best days of the week. Mm -hmm. And you
0: definitely seem to have a lot of energy those days.
1: Nothing affects me at least some of the day. I'm happy in the morning. I come home. I'm joking with them. I'm trying to keep the kids going. I think those are things that really get me as self-care.
0: Yeah. I love that. Great example. Let's talk for a minute about boundaries because both people who are addicts and people who are traumatized must learn to set healthy boundaries, but their boundaries are going to look different. They're both drawing a circle around themselves, but there's different types of things that they are looking to protect themselves from. Addicts, their recovery and their boundaries must include a focus on sobriety. We talked about this in the last episode. That is not the entirety of their recovery. But at some point, you must become sober because getting on top of those external behaviors is key to allowing Jesus to transform your life and transform your heart. Again, you show on the outside what's happening on the inside. You cannot recover and not maintain your sobriety. Is that to say you can never relapse? No, that's a whole other episode. But yes, we think that you can be in recovery and still have slips and still have relapses, but you must come to a point to where you are sober. There is no sober for trauma. So that's the difference there. They both have boundaries, they both need to set boundaries, but there is no real sobriety issue for people of trauma and they can't really think about their trauma in terms of being sober. Instead, they need to focus on their own personal safety and personal stability, whatever that means for them, emotional safety, physical safety, financial safety, whatever kind. And there's all different types of boundaries that betrayed spouses can set to help start providing that safety for them. But it looks different for an addict and it looks different for a person with trauma. But we believe that boundaries for a husband and wife who are working this recovery journey together or in parallel fashion can both go hand in hand.
1: One of the last things I think we need to cover is addiction often is mistaken to be a simple issue of self-control. Say that again. Addiction often is mistaken to be a simple issue of self-control.
0: Say that again. I feel like somebody who is listening Did not hear that, and they need to hear that.
1: Addiction is often mistaken to be a simple issue of self-control. Some of the guys that I have talked to dealt with their pastor, and their pastor will say, just pray about it and stop.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Well, okay. I prayed about it a while back. I tried to stop. So what happened? It's not that simple. It's easy to say... When somebody hasn't had an addiction that they've really had to deal with, it's really easy to say, well, just stop. Just have more self-control and stop. But it's hard when you're in addiction. And when you look at some of the other addictions, alcoholics and tobacco, illegal drugs, prescription drugs, a lot of those, you can't just stop cold turkey and be done with it. Right. It can affect your body in a way that could kill you. If you're taking the wrong ones or the combination of them and you try to stop. But as for wives that are out there, know that sometimes their husband may be trying to have that self-control, but it's not as easy to say, well, just stop doing it. There's much more that people need.
0: Right. You checking his phone can't make him stop. Putting all the software on all the devices cannot make him stop. Having sex with him every single day so that his sex quota is filled cannot make him stop. He has to be ready and come to a point that he is willing to lay down his life to the Lord and ask for Jesus to take over. Only then is he ready to start the journey of recovery, the journey of healing that leads to recovery. That is largely, I hate to say it, but not about you. You can support him, you can love him, but you cannot micromanage his recovery. You cannot manufacture his recovery.
1: He has to be ready. He has to make that choice that they're going to be done with it and be willing to say, I need help and go find it and know that you as the wife shouldn't be the only accountability partner that he has.
0: I feel like we say that on every episode, but I want to keep saying it.
1: On the other side, trauma is often mistaken to be a simple issue of painful memories.
0: Right. People think that bad stuff happened to you and you feel sad about it, but you've been sad long enough, so now you need to get over it. It's like somebody that's
1: (laughs) going through grief. Yes. That you have seven days to get through all the grief and after seven days, you need to be done with it. Yeah. It doesn't work that way. All it tells
0: me is that those people who say things like that are just ignorant about what the true trauma experience is. And maybe they got over something painful like that by God's grace, but that doesn't mean that is what everyone's trauma experience is like.
1: All of these issues look different to everybody. Mm -hmm. None of these issues are the same for every person. We have to realize that Somebody can get over something real easily where somebody else may have that same issue and it takes them forever or they never really get over it. They do their best. We have to be somebody that's going to support somebody no matter what yeah. with what's going on. Um,
0: Let's end this comparison on a positive note, but also on a challenge. And that is for both porn addicts and for betrayed spouses, recovery occurs one day at a time. We do believe that you need a plan so that you know where you're going and how you're going to get there, but there is no gaining ground, getting ahead, skipping over certain things. You have to start walking the walk every day, one day at a time, one step at a time, one moment at a time, and surrendering it over to the Lord each and every day, surrendering your trauma Stepping into those routines of God aligning self care, s- stepping into your sobriety, stepping into accountability for your addiction, and again, aligning yourself daily with God and allowing Him to be the author, allowing Jesus to be the author of your recovery, just like he's the author and perfecter of our faith. He is also the author and protector of your recovery, whether you are an addict or whether you are a traumatized person. We would love to hear what you think about this topic. And if you have questions, please feel free to email us. Wives can email piper at explicitrestoration.com.
1: And men can email me at David at explicit restoration.com.
0: As always, we are going to end this episode with a check-in. We do this on every episode because we think it's a really vital part for husbands and wives to work on their marriage restoration side of their journey. So each of you will have individual recovery journeys. And then you will come to a point that you are ready to start working on restoring your marriage. And check-ins are an amazing tool to help you with that. So the check-in that we're going to do is highs and lows. We're just going to talk about our day and share a high and a low from today with each other and It opens up the door for us to be able to check in with each other, to ask questions, to see how each other are doing. And we want you to hear this. This is not scripted. This is a real process. Because we want you to be able to hear this in a raw, unscripted, unfiltered format, and then you can go and do likewise. (laughs) Then you can know a thing or two because you've learned a thing or two. Okay. So who's going first? You can. My low point today was we were doing school with our kids and I had to stop for a minute and tell them that we had some plans for the evening. And one of our kids did not like that plan and chose to throw a temper tantrum. And in that moment, in trying to maintain my composure, I just left the room. I just got up and I didn't say anything to anybody. And the child was screaming and I left and I went into our room and I locked the door. And I felt bad later because I abandoned you. And I didn't know if you felt abandoned, but it made me feel guilty. And I was worried that you were upset with me because I had left you with the screaming child and the other two children and having to finish the rest of the schoolwork. So that was my low point today. So I'm sorry about that.
1: No, it didn't. It didn't affect me. It's okay. Thanks for telling Mm -hmm. me that you want me to go now for my low?
0: Oh, I can do, I can do my high. We had an impromptu last minute date night. We were hoping it would happen, but we weren't really sure. But a friend came over and stayed with all of our people so that we got out to go to dinner for a couple of hours. And it was so nice. And the only reason I had my phone out was to watch for the sitter to say something, but we weren't scrolling. We had plenty to talk about. We talked the entire time. And we got to have some really delicious food and we laughed and we talked about difficult things and we don't get to do that undistracted very often. never. So that was my high. Sorry if I stole yours.
1: (laughs) No, no. So my low today was one of our kids really had a rough day with school and didn't want to do it anymore. And sometimes I don't know why it's like this but they're good at school.
0: They're smart.
1: They can do this stuff, but it's just if they can't get it the first time, they get so upset. So in the midst of that, I got up and ended up cleaning up the living room and had it all cleaned up. And I think more of the low part for me was the destruction of it again, and them not wanting to clean it up and then having to force them to clean it up. It's so hard right now because as I get older, the more I want things cleaned up. It's weird because when I was a kid, that was not the thing I wanted to do was clean up. So I understand what they're going through, but it feels so nice to walk into a clean room, a clean kitchen, and just be able to be there.
0: I agree. When I come in and the room's unkept and it's always kid stuff or the dog has dragged in a stick and chewed it into a thousand pieces. And I don't want to do anything else. Yeah. (laughs) Thanks for sharing. I could tell that you were having a tough time with that child, but you did not give up. So I appreciate that.
1: Thanks. So my high for the longest time, I used to make fun of Piper for taking naps every single day. And for some reason in the last couple of years, I guess working at home more than anything has made it where I nap more. And I don't, our, yes. <laughs> I don't know if you can tell on our now. Yes. I don't know if you can tell on our voices, but we've been dealing with a cold mm-hmm. and it has really made me tired this time. And so the last few days I've really tried to get a nap. And I'm saying all this because I went to take a nap today and our daughters came in and My high really was just being able to play with them that whole time. Mm. They were trying to tickle me on my side and I'm not ticklish on my side. There's a couple of places that I am. Piper can find them, (laughs) but my kids try so bad, find a place to tickle me and they can't do it. And just playing with them and having a good time, um, laughing with them and hearing them laugh. It's such a good thing for a parent's heart when their kids just laugh with them.
0: Mm.
1: So that was my high today also going out to dinner. I'm not going to, I'm not going to yeah. lie. That was great. But.
0: <laughs> All right. That is our check-in for today. And that is our episode. We thank you so much for listening. Please check us out at explicitrestoration.com. And especially you can find links to our free support groups, one for husbands and one for wives. And we would love to have you join those. The husband's group especially is just getting started. And other husbands need you there to edify, to lift up, and to encourage each other in your battle against porn and in your fight for your marriage. So I encourage you to go check it out. And us wives, we will be praying for you and praying for your group.
1: So we will see you next week. Love you guys. Bye. Bye.